A phaser is an effect that moves an audio signal in and out of phase so that it sounds like it's canceling itself out, adding a sense of motion to an otherwise static tone. It can really liven up a mix, however it has no Starfleet applications no matter what you may have heard to the contrary. Welcome to Strong Songs, a podcast about music. I'm your host, Kirk Hamilton, and as always, I'm so glad that you've joined me to talk about music that's in phase, music that's out of phase, and sometimes music that's a little bit of both. It's a new year. Strong Songs Year 3 is underway. We've got new theme music, which you're hearing right now, and I'm very excited for the year to come. The episode that you're about to listen to is entirely listener-supported, and if you'd like to know more about how to help me make Strong Songs, go to patreon.com slash strongsongs. This year, I wanted to get into the meat of the episode a little bit faster, so as soon as this intro music ends, we're going to get right to it. Of course, before we make a change like that, I feel like there is one opinion that we should probably get. So let's ask the horns what they think. is magic and it is all around us. However, for just one moment, I want you to stop listening to the music around you and turn your eyes and ears to the sky. There's not enough magic or mystery in our day-to-day lives and one could be forgiven for sitting and staring at the sky, wishing for something magical to happen. Like what if a mystical being from another world brought us a collection of songs that changed everything? Songs that saved humanity and made us remember the unifying joy of being human. It's a romantic notion, isn't it? A being from another world with art or music so beautiful that it changes our world for the better, shows us things we never could have imagined. It's that promise that music makes. Sometimes you hear music that's so good, it doesn't seem like it could have possibly originated on this world or even in this solar system. It came from somewhere else, brought to us by a visitor from afar. And as fanciful as it may sound, just such a visitor did grace our planet with his music, and for more than 50 years, he showed us what rock and roll could be. In the summer of 1969, he looked down on Earth from low orbit, and he sent us this dispatch about what he saw. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. Stars look very different Yes, the time has finally come for Strong Songs to talk about the music of David Bowie, an inarguable legend of music, a personal hero of mine, and someone that I have been excited to talk about on this show since before Strong Songs existed. Bowie's music was extraterrestrial in its excellence, and I figured what better song to talk about than his iconic 1969 single, Space Oddity. But you know what? I mean, that's a great song, but if I'm going to talk about David Bowie, David Bowie, the great David Bowie on Strong Songs, is it really going to be enough to just talk about a single song? The thing is, if we're going to talk about one David Bowie song about a man in outer space looking down on the world, 
we should probably talk about the other David Bowie song about a man in outer space looking down on the world. So let the children lose it, let the children use it, and let's talk about Starman too, yeah? Space Oddity and Starman are in many ways sister songs to one another. I think before I knew David Bowie music sort of better than I do now as an adult when I was a kid, I kind of got these songs mixed up even, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one uh, who felt that way. Obviously, their subject matter is very similar. They're both songs about men in outer space looking down on the Earth. Uh, They also have a lot of musical similarities that I'm really interested in teasing out on this episode, because when you've got two very similar songs by the same artist, a lot of times the similarities between the two songs actually tell you a lot more broadly about how that artist wrote music, and also the differences can be instructive too. So first we're going to talk about Space Oddity, which came out in 1969, then we're going to talk about Starman, which came out three years later in 1972. It was a big three years though, not just for Bowie, but also for recorded music in general. So Space Oddity was on a self-titled album in 1969 that I think is now retitled Space Oddity, and uh, it wasn't actually a huge hit when it came out. It became a hit later and is now like one of Bowie's most famous songs. When it came out, didn't actually make a huge impression. In the years in between these two songs, Bowie did release some music, but in 1972, he released the album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. His band, The Spiders from Mars, his persona, which he adopted, was Ziggy Stardust, and this was the moment that David Bowie exploded into the public consciousness. That was partly due to the strength of Starman, which was a huge hit, and you can almost see the song as this second draft of Space Oddity, like written to be a little bit more of a hit. And even though both songs are great, Starman just totally hit, to the point that when Space Oddity was re-released, it also became a hit, and now both songs are held up as emblematic of Bowie's sound and style. We're going to be going in chronological order, which means we're going to start with 1969 Space Oddity. Ground control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom 1969 is a noteworthy year for a couple of reasons pertaining to this song. First of all, that was the same year, the same summer, in fact, as the Apollo 11 mission to the moon. That's one small step for man, one Spaceflight was on everybody's mind, and that, of course, is reflected in the subject matter of the song. Also, 1969 is two years after the Beatles released Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which ended with the epic song A Day in the Life. That was actually the final song of Strong Songs Year 2. If you're new to the show and you haven't listened to that episode, you should go listen to it, because with A Day in the Life, the Beatles introduced or popularized a musical technique that uh, is definitely very present in Space Oddity as well. So let's start at the very beginning. We've just got a nice strumming guitar slowly fading up. Let's get into it. Now, even before Bowie sings that iconic opening lyric, 
ground control to Major Tom. I really like how this intro works. We're in the key of C, uh, Space Oddity is in the key of C, and here in the intro we're going between two different chords. It's an F major 7 chord and an E minor chord. Now I like 7th chords because they're just nice and rich. Uh, a basic chord is a 1, 3, and a 5. A 7th chord is 1, 3, 5, and 7th. Just a little bit of extra musical information. It richens up the sound of the chord. Bowie was a fan of 7th chords, in particular major 7th chords, and this song starts on an F major 7. To give you a sense of the difference, this is a, just a regular F major chord, which is a 1, 3, 5 chord. And this is an F major 7th chord. Just a little bit fuller, a little bit more musical information, and that F major 7th chord does some major work on Space Oddity uh, a little bit later in the song in addition to during the intro. So it's two nice chords, they sound nice going back and forth uh, from one to the other, but I also just like how faint this is. It's very, very quiet at the beginning of this track and it fades up oh so slowly. And that's really beautiful to me because it evokes the sense of someone floating in space. And I can really picture it, you know, it's, it's totally silent. In space, no one can hear you play guitar and you can picture a space capsule kind of over across the horizon, totally darkened then slowly coming into light and it's so, so far away, and then you begin to make out the figure inside right as Bowie begins to sing. It's evocative and beautiful. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. So there are some cool individual elements contributing to this opening verse. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. As was common in the 1960s, the rhythm section was panned rather than being in the center. In the 1970s, it started being more of a standard thing that the bass and the drums would be panned center, or at the very least the kick drum and the bass drum would be right there in the middle of the mix, and everything else would be panned to the left and the right. In this case, the drums and the bass are over on the left, the guitar is over on the right, and the vocals start in the middle, but then they kind of go right and left as well. Space Oddity featured a number of UK studio musicians, including Yes's Rick Wakeman on Mellotron, Mick Wayne on the guitar, Herbie Flowers on bass, and Terry Cox on drums. Incidentally, Wakeman, Cox, and Flowers all played on Elton John's Madman Across the Water, which uh, I talked about a song from that album, Tiny Dancer, uh, in year one of Strong Songs, though none of those musicians actually played on Tiny Dancer. Kind of a small world, the English studio music scene in the late 60s and early 70s. So over on the left, we've got Flowers and Cox on bass and drums. Cox is really just playing the snare drum here, this kind of a martial march beat, which gives a slightly military vibe to things and fits, given that it's got this official ground control, major tom kind of energy. And Flowers is just playing steady whole notes on the bass. As for the right channel, the acoustic guitar is, of course, the dominant sound. That's Bowie himself playing the acoustic guitar, just strumming between a C major chord and an E minor chord. We've moved into the key of C, which this song is in. The verse starts on a C major chord, and Bowie's just strumming along. The chords for this verse just go back and forth between C major and E minor like that, and then Bowie does something that he really likes to do that is actually going to turn up in Starman as well. He goes to A minor, then he walks down to an A minor over G, and in this song he then goes to a D over F sharp, which is a really common chord progression, a nice little walk down, works very well on a guitar, one of the reasons that I think that it's common, and uh, it sounds like this in the song. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. 
the most present other sound in addition to Bowie's vocals, of course, is a small synthesizer known as a stylophone that Bowie is playing and that I always kind of thought of as sounding like a speak and spell before I knew what it was. The speak and spell was that little like learn how to spell tool that a lot of people grew up with. I don't think they make them anymore. But if you were a kid when I was a kid, the speak and spell had a voice that had this same kind of uh, robot cow mooing sound that the stylophone has. They actually make a modern one of these, a modern stylophone. I don't have one, so I'm not going to recreate it here, but I kind of want one. They look really fun. It's kind of a mix between a toy and a synth. I'm sure you could get some use out of it, but we obviously did. But uh, it's it's just kind of a neat little thing, and it's called a stylophone because you play it with a stylus, with a sort of a pen that you slide up and down the control surface, and that lets you make all kinds of weird sounds. It actually reminds me of some of the synthesizers people would release for the Nintendo DS and 3DS, where you could control the uh, the pitch of the synthesizer and some of the parameters using the stylus on that device, which is actually a really cool input device. It's very different than most musical input devices, but that gives the stylophone a distinct sound, and that's definitely a part of what makes this opening verse to Space Oddities sound so distinct. The last thing that you might notice is just a little bit of electric guitar. I believe this is Mick Wayne on the electric guitar, just playing uh, just nice ringing kind of chimey notes or harmonics on the electric guitar just a couple of times, which adds to the sort of ethereal atmosphere of this intro without being intrusive and letting the acoustic guitar do most of the real harmonic guitar work. So let's listen to that whole first verse and just take in the mix. Pay attention to how the drums and the bass are over on the left, the acoustic guitar is over on the right, Bowie's voice is in the middle but then splits to the left and the right, the stylophone and the electric guitar just a little bit are there in the middle, the stylophone doing nice held notes while the electric guitar just adds little chimes for texture. All right, here we go. Ground control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom Take your protein pills and put your helmet on And in the second verse, they begin a countdown Ground control to Major Tom Seven, six Commencing countdown engines on And we all know what countdowns lead to. And may God's love be with you. So I really love this, and uh, listeners of the show will know why. This huge glissando, the liftoff as the rocket launches into outer space, is extremely reminiscent of the Beatles' A Day in the Life, which of course was recorded only a couple years before this. And while I don't know for sure that it was an influence on this part of Space Oddity, I have to imagine that it kind of was. Because what musician wouldn't hear a massive glissando like the one in A Day in the Life and think, well, okay, we'll have to do something like that on my next record. horn player oh my god okay we're not talking about a day in the life there's already a whole strong songs episode about that we're talking about space oddity where they also do a very similar glissando into the first chorus (laughs) 
So, you know, the only real glissando that's happening there is in the guitar. Mick Wayne is kind of sliding up the low E string on his guitar in a sort of a funny way that does add a glissando energy to the arrangement. But really, the rest of what's going on is just a steady build. The notes are kind of climbing. And the main thing that is uh, causing that climb is actually the Mellotron. An actual Mellotron is a very sought-after and rare instrument. It's a tape-based instrument that uses different taped sounds to make string and flute and other sounds that are were very common in the 1960s and 1970s. There's a lot of classic recordings that use the Mellotron. I actually talked about it on a previous episode of Strong Songs, I believe on a Q&A episode in year one. Um, I don't have a Mellotron, but Logic actually comes with a Mellotron sampler built in. So I'm using that, and it sounds pretty good. So like I mentioned, playing the Mellotron was Rick Wakeman, who would go on to be a member of the very well-known prog band Yes, and he was apparently the guy who could get the Mellotron to play in tune. He gave a kind of cool interview about this song not that long ago, and uh, said that that was the thing that he could do, was he knew how to get the Mellotron to play in tune and sound good. So they've kind of overdubbed Mellotron parts here. They've got the flute Mellotron sound and the string Mellotron sound, and they're using it to build a kind of an orchestra. For a long time I actually thought there were just strings playing on Space Oddity, but no, that is the Mellotron, and that's kind of the power of the Mellotron, is it has these very warm flute and string and choral sounds. So that's what's providing the orchestral sounds along with the guitar. Let's give that glissando, or really that crescendo with an accompanying glissando, another listen. So one other thing that I like during this liftoff section is Herbie Flowers moving in the opposite direction. He does this sort of really fast bass guitar dive bomb into what I guess I think of as the chorus of this song into the next section, which runs in counter. It's sort of a contrary motion sort of a thing. Um, after this long buildup, he then plays this really cool dive bomb into the chorus. I love a good bass dive bomb, and that is definitely a good bass dive bomb. All right, let's get into this chorus. This is ground control to major tongue. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know who shut you where. Now it's time to leave the capsule if you dare. Now, Space Oddity may be a deceptively melancholy song, but this is a triumphant moment, this first chorus and the chorus in general. Very triumphant and uses a couple of harmonic tricks that I really like that we've talked about on previous episodes, but I'm going to highlight again here. So this song is in C and the chorus is in C and we start on a big fat C major chord. Let's go through the rest of the chords of this chorus. So the second chord after that C major chord is an E dominant seventh chord. That's an E7. This is an iconic sound. It turns up in a whole ton of songs. I love this chord progression. And when you go from one to three, seven, you're always, I'm pretty much always going to go either to the six minor, which the E7 leads to an A minor. So you could go through this chord progression, C to E7 to A minor. A ton of songs do that. Or what a lot of pop songs do is they like to go one to three, seven, to four. And that's what Bowie does here in Space Oddity. He goes from C major to E7 up to F. 
Then right after that F chord, he does another chord progression that is pretty iconic that I really like. He goes to F minor, which is four major to four minor, then to C, then back to F. Then they repeat that F minor to C, then back to F, and then they go all the way back to C to do the second half of the chorus, which is the same chord progression again. So there's some nice musical storytelling going on here. There's kind of a lift up to a floating plateau, which fits with the sort of liftoff spaceflight theme of this song. The first three chords, that C to E to F, definitely feels like there's this lift, the G to the G sharp to the A, that fifth to the third on the E7 up to the A, which is the third on the F major. There's definitely a feeling of lift in that chord progression, but then it stays kind of in the same place. The F goes to the F minor, to the C, back to F, to F F minor to C, it kind of floats around that F. So there's a liftoff up to F, and then this nice hovering zero gravity float around F before returning back to C to do it again. As far as the rhythm section goes, the drums have opened up somewhat. It's a very restrained beat, but it's just kind of a kick drum and then a snare and a crash cymbal just sort of going in steady time over on the left. Over on the right, Bowie's acoustic guitar is just steadily strumming through that chord progression, the C to the E to the F to the F minor, covering all the harmony, though the real instrument that's taking care of the harmony here is Wakeman's Mellotron playing. He's using the string sound to just play really lushly through that chord progression right there in the middle. It really fills out the mix and he's just playing a nice Mellotron pattern, uh, sort of a string arrangement through those same chords that Bowie is strumming on the acoustic guitar. The grooviest rhythm section instrument is Herbie Flowers' bass. He's playing a nice bass line over there on the left and he's getting a little bit funkier than anybody else. He's feeling a little bit more and I think improvising a little bit more and he's playing some nice arpeggiated bass lines moving through the chord progression. So here's my little reenactment of just the rhythm section with no melody on the chorus of Space Oddity. All right, now let's listen back to the original, and I want you to try to hear all of that. Listen to the chord progression and the way that the chords lift up through those first three chords, then reach that F major chord and sort of stay put for a while. Listen to how the band is arranged and how the instruments are arrayed in the mix, how that Mellotron is playing those steady chords while the acoustic guitar strums over on the right, how the drums are playing a very simple part over on the left, while the bass gets actually a little bit funkier and offers some more creative subdivision. Pay attention for all of that, Ears on, here we go. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. And the papers want to know whose shirt you wear. Now it's time to leave the capsule if you dare. This is Major Tom. Now onto the melody, there's some cool stuff going on here, both melodically with the way that the melody is written and also in terms of the arrangement. The vocal arrangement is doing something cool here that happens throughout this recording and uh, I think it's actually a pretty neat effect, especially if you take the lyrics and the narrative of the song into account. So the contour of the melody follows the same basic shape of that chord progression. It climbs up, and then it goes down, and then it goes back up. It's a nice kind of rolling melody, and at points, Bowie has overdubbed himself singing a higher harmony part as well. This is ground control to major tone. You've really made 
so I would say the main melody is over on the right and the higher harmony melody is over on the left. What I like about this is that lyrically, this is actually ground control to major tom. So this song is actually tossing perspectives back and forth. It's already done that and it definitely does it during this chorus where major tom is at times on the radio speaking back to ground control. He's up in space orbiting the earth while ground control is reaching out to him and at various points in this story, we cut from the perspective of ground control up to Major Tom, back to ground control, and back to Major Tom. It's not always so neat as the fact that whenever ground control is speaking, there are multiple voices, so that kind of makes sense since it would be a group of people in a control room, and that whenever Major Tom speaks, it's just Bowie singing by himself. But in this chorus, that is what happens, and it's, it's kind of neat once you realize that's what's going on. Here at the beginning, ground control is speaking, and so there are two voices speaking. This is ground control to Major Tom. Then in the second half of the chorus, Major Tom radios back to ground control to tell them that he's leaving the capsule, and it goes back to Bowie, center panned by himself. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. The harmonies come back right after that. It's kind of just for that line, this is Major Tom. We cut to that center panned solo Bowie vocal, which is cool. It really helps that line stand out. And when the harmony does come back in right after that line, we get this extremely great example of vocal diction. <laughs> I've always loved how he says, most peculiar way, hey. But we almost always find some way of pronouncing something that's just a little bit weird and a little bit specific. It's a total Bowie thing, and this is definitely an example of that. So that vocal arrangement is very purposeful, and it's very dramatic, and it underlines the narrative of the song, and it also makes that second half of the chorus much more dramatic because we cut to Major Tom by himself as he's stepping through the door and out into outer space, which sets up the second half of the song. This is Major Tom to ground control. I'm stepping through the door. Planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do. After all the pomp and circumstance of the launch and ground control congratulating Major Tom on this great accomplishment, he's kind of left alone up in space looking down on the Earth. And it's a very melancholy thing. It would be a very sobering and lonely experience, I would think, to be up there alone. And Bowie certainly imagines it that way. And it's what makes this song more of a melancholy thing, especially once you really look at the lyrics and the story that it's telling uh, than it seems. What with, you know, the exciting launch and all of the cool guitar riffs and stuff like it's actually a song about a guy who is launched into space and then kind of left there and just floats away and that's the story of the song so this is kind of happening we're in the midst of it and this beautiful post-chorus section really embodies that feeling of floating
Over on drums, Terry Cox has gone up onto the ride cymbal, and he's doing some nice cymbal work there to kind of open things up a little bit. Flowers' bass is still pretty active, but he's playing some more whole notes to give more of a sense of space. Wakeman's Mellotron. Wakeman is doing some really cool stuff on Mellotron here. This is overdubbed, so he's doing a few different parts, but he really sounds like an orchestra. Some of the flute parts that he's playing are really lovely, and they move just sort of up and down the keyboard in a really nice way. And the acoustic guitar is just strumming through the chords. Now, remember that F major 7th chord from the beginning? Well, that is back, as is the E minor chord that comes right after it. We're basically back to the intro, or a hybrid of the verse in the intro. And uh, it's just moving back and forth between those two chords. The second part of this post-chorus goes to a B flat, to an A minor, to a G, down to an F, which is another walk down, kind of similar to the one that happened during the opening verse. Notably though, it is different. It's sort of the same shape as the opening verse, but it's different. It's almost like a B verse or something, which gives this song an unusual form, and Space Oddity does have an unusual form. It's almost through composed, despite having an identifiable chorus, but in a subtle way, it has actually a, a very unusual song form. Some lovely vocal harmonies happening here, and I really like how the main melody really emphasizes the major seventh. That first chord is an F major seven, and we start up on the E, which is the major seven of that chord. So the melody really emphasizes the major seventh, which is the thing that makes the chord sound like what it is. It's the defining chord tone. So with all of that in mind, let's listen through that post-chorus. Just listen for the lushness, how kind of rich the arrangement becomes, the ride cymbal over there on the left, those nice major sevenths in the melody as we move toward the acoustic guitar breakdown. All right, here we go. And then it's time for the acoustic guitar to set up the electric guitar solo. That acoustic guitar breakdown introduces another little harmonic wrinkle. It's a, it's a kind of a cool little pattern. It goes from C down to F, up to G, up to A major. And A major actually kind of factors during this guitar solo as well. The other two elements during this guitar breakdown are the hand claps, which start on the left and then pan over to the right, and then the stylophone actually makes a triumphant return. It was playing a little bit during the chorus too, but it makes a big noticeable return as it sets up the guitar solo. So that A major chord turns up again during Mick Wayne's guitar solo, which is an oddball guitar solo. This whole section is kind of weird, and it's its own section of the song. There's also just some clipping on the guitar in places. The Mellotron is holding everything together, the drums are kind of soloing, and the guitar is just playing these little ideas that flit in and out of the overall kind of cacophony that's going on. And then with this wonderfully weird final guitar dive bomb, we go back into the chorus. So as Tom floats above the earth, he reflects on his loneliness. And I think my spaceship knows which 
we cut back to solo vocals as he relays a personal message. Tell my wife I love her very much. And then we get yet another new section of the song. Ground control to Major Tom, your circuit's dead. There's something wrong, can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear me, Major Tom? Can you hear Major Tom has left his capsule and is floating out in space, and as ground control tries fruitlessly to get in touch with him, the chords change again and does this really cool walk up and walk back down from G up to E, which goes up to that G sharp in the bass, up to A minor, back down to G, to D over F sharp, to C, to G, as ground control says, can you hear me, can you hear me, and then finally, can you hear, and it transitions to a different kind of here, here am I floating around my tin can, as we go to Major Tom, who is floating alone in space, drifting off across the horizon. There's some very subtle clicking going on here, which calls to mind Morse code. As Tom drifts away, the acoustic guitar sets up another guitar solo. The second guitar solo follows the same form as the first one with some tasty licks from Mick Wayne on the guitar, but then at the end, when they set up that final E chord, the E, the final chord of the guitar solo, just kind of never resolves. Instead, the band just deteriorates. Conjuring Tom, freed from his capsule, drifting off across the horizon and out of sight. It's a chilling downer ending that doesn't really line up with how I think of this song or the associations that I think of for this song. Like, I usually see it associated with the glories of space travel, not with the melancholy loneliness of space and maybe even a death in space. Taken as a whole, it's a more experimental and strange song than I gave it credit for before I learned it for this episode. It uh, it has the sections that are kind of iconic ground control to Major Tom, that first chorus, the conversation between ground control and Major Tom, but the particulars are actually more unusual than your average rock and roll song. It tells such a clear story, it kind of has a script with different characters, it feels a little bit more like a theatrical production than a rock song, especially once you get into the nitty gritty and start looking at those particulars. What I think is so interesting is if you take all of those particulars that we just studied, these tales of outer space, the chill intro building up into a triumphant chorus, the guitar solo, the sound and the vibe of the song, and you refine them and flip them around in some ways, you get 1972's Starman. Star man waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our mind. 
With Starman, everything is just a little bit more where you might expect it to be. The drums and bass are panned to the center. The drums are playing a much more straightforward rock beat. The tempo is consistent throughout and never goes into strange glissandos or avant-garde disintegrations. The vocals also pan dead center and never split left and right. The strings are a regular string section and not a mellotron. There is no stylophone to be heard. The guitars are cleanly recorded and right up in your face, and when they rock, the whole band rocks with them. And yet there are so many similarities, in particular thematic similarities. If in 1969 Space Oddity told the story of a man launching up from the Earth into space and then getting lost and drifting away, 1972's Starman tells the story of an extraterrestrial being, the great Ziggy Stardust, arriving in orbit above the Earth and waiting to come down to Earth to greet us all. It's a theatrical and even cinematic song in much the same way as Space Oddity, even if the story it's telling is exciting and hopeful rather than melancholy and sad. It's a straightforwardly great song on its own, and even more interesting if you view it in the context of Space Oddity coming three years earlier. It was the featured single off of 1972's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. It featured the Spiders from Mars band, which was Mick Ronson on guitar, who also provided the string arrangements for this recording, Trevor Boulder was playing bass, and another Mick, Mick Woodmansey, was playing drums. And if you remember, Mick Wayne played electric guitar on Space Oddity. So if you were a UK musician in the 1960s or 70s and you wanted to play with David Bowie, you probably had a better chance if your name was Mick. Starman is a pretty straightforward song harmonically, though it actually actually starts in a very weird place that isn't indicative of where the rest of the song is going. It starts on this extremely strange chord. Check this out. Like, oh, what? What is that chord? Here, they're going to do it again. Very cool. So they're going back and forth between two chords, a lot like the beginning of Space Oddity, and as it happens, one of those chords is an F major 7 chord, but it just happens to be the second chord. The first chord, as best as I can hear it, is like a B flat major 7, possibly with a sharp 11 over A, which is a major 7 chord over the major 7th, which gives you the pretty nasty rub between the root, which is a B flat, and the A down in the bass. It gives a kind of a flat 9 sound, which is an extremely dissonant interval that's best avoided, honestly, um, as much as dissonance can sound good. A flat 9 almost never sounds good. Outside of, of course, a dominant 7 flat 9 chord, somewhere where you're going for the dissonance, or a kind of Locrian sound, which is a kind of modal sound that I guess you could say they're going for here. And I mean, it is on purpose. They're just trying to get this weird, ugly sound, which does set a kind of an otherworldly tone for a song that's otherwise pretty straightforward. From here, they jump straight into a very groovy first verse, as the narrator's radio transforms into a conduit for a signal from another world. Didn't know what time it was, the lights were low, oh, oh, oh. I leaned back on my radio, oh, oh. Some cat was laying down some rock and roll, not a soul, he said. 
very groovy verse. So first of all, I love Woodmanson's fill right there into the beginning of the verse. Super tight drum fill. The 70s were definitely when studio engineers got really good at recording drums, and just I love that really tight 70s drum sound. So in terms of the chords that are happening, this verse is another good example of how Bowie's chord progressions are just a little bit more theatrical, sound a little bit more like classic standards and Tin Pan Alley songs than a lot of other rock songs. He's not just a 1-4-5 guy. Those three chords, the 1, the 4, and the 5, the root of the blues, and where a lot of rock and roll music goes to, those are the three most common chords in rock. And Bowie certainly knows his way around a 1-4-5 chord progression, as we'll see a little bit later in this song, but he also likes to use chords that are just a little bit more jazz influenced, a little bit more Tin Pan Alley, and that's on display here. He begins on the 2 chord on a G minor chord, which they sit on for a minute, and then they resolve to an F major. That's a really nice way to start a verse. I love verses that start on 2. It's not that common, especially in pop and rock music, but starting on that 2 chord, then they go to the 1, to the F major, then they go to a C, to a 5, and then they do something cool with the phrasing. They just tag on an extra bar and do this little walk up from A flat to B flat. It's right here. The bass and drums are keeping the groove steady, but the guitar is actually really driving this in terms of the thump and the pop and the sizzle. In this case, the way that the acoustic guitar is recorded, and I'm not totally sure if this is Bowie or Ronson playing acoustic guitar here, but it's really nice acoustic guitar playing, and it's mic'd really close to the strings, and you can hear that attack. And the guitar strumming pattern really provides this nice groovy subdivision that gives a lot of the sizzle to this groove. Didn't know what time it was, You hear how the acoustic guitar is really driving the groove? Like the typical sizzle provider, the hi-hat is way down in the mix, and the acoustic guitar is providing that function and then some. And as they set up the chorus, it's time to finally bust out the phaser. I love the way they set up that chorus. It really does sound like Morse code from outer space. It's some sort of piano, electric piano maybe, and they put a phaser on it, which as I discussed in the intro to this episode, it's an effect that we've talked about before on the show. It basically takes an audio signal and puts it out of phase with itself, which means that the peaks and valleys of the audio signal are placed so that they're canceling one another out, and it gives this sense of sort of hollowness and motion to an otherwise static tone. Without the phaser, an electric piano on octave A's would just sound like this. With the phaser, it sounds like this. And with that otherworldly effect, Bowie sets up this absolutely killer chorus.
There's so much good stuff in this chorus. The way that acoustic guitar is still really driving the bus. Ronson's string arrangement is just beautiful. I love this chord progression, especially the turnaround, which we'll talk about. The turnaround just totally rules. But first, let's just talk about the melody, because what a melody. In terms of melodies that begin with a huge octave leap, of course the most famous is Harold Arlen's Somewhere Over the Rainbow, famously performed by Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz, but we consciously based this melody on that melody, and it has that same feeling of soaring majesty. I mean, if you begin your song with a huge octave leap like that, it's probably gonna draw people in. The chords are similar to Over the Rainbow, but a little bit different. It starts on an F major, and then it goes down to the 6 minor to a D minor, which again, a very Tin Pan Alley move to go to the 6 minor from 1. Over the Rainbow, just for the record, goes from a 1 chord to a 3 minor chord, so it goes to kind of the other common minor chord. Rather than going to the relative minor, it goes up to the 3 minor. Pretty similar, but it does change the feeling of that melody and of that octave. But anyways, uh, Starman goes from F major to D minor, then it does a walk down that's very similar to the one in Space Oddity, it goes to A minor, then A minor over G, which is also kind of a C major in second inversion, and then it goes down to a C chord. He sings through that phrase two times, the second time a second higher vocal harmony comes in, so there's an overdubbed vocal harmony going on top, but they're both panned right to the middle, so it's nowhere near as dramatic or easily differentiated as on Space Oddity. Meanwhile, Mick Ronson's string arrangement is just soaring. I mean, it's this totally beautiful thing tying this whole chorus together. He's got the cellos to the center left doing some nice long tones, while the violins do some faster runs over on the right toward the end of the second phrase. It's really tasty stuff. Like, I love this run that sets up the turnaround. This turnaround, the final three chords of this chorus are so cool. They combine so many different Bowie ideas into something that just works perfectly and also acts as a perfect setup to the next section. So the first thing that happens is something that also happened in Space Oddity and a chord progression that you all know that I love. He goes to the four chord, a B flat, then B flat minor, then he resolves to F major. So it resolves to one, but the turnaround keeps going in a way that is very common in jazz and American songbook standards, but not that common in pop music. He extends the turnaround by going from one down to six dominant seventh, which is a D7 chord, to a two minor, G minor, to a five chord, which is C. And the five chord is where he ends setting up the next phrase. It's a killer turnaround, so let's go through it more or less in time. It goes four, four minor, one, six, seven, two minor, five. Now listen to the actual recording as they go through that same chord progression. Here we go. Fantastic. 
fantastic chord progression and the kind of thing you would just see in like a jazz standard or like a Jerome Kern tune or a Harold Arlen tune. It's got a kind of show tune quality to it and it's the kind of chord progression that while very common in that kind of music, I just wish that we heard more chord progressions like that in modern pop music instead of just the one, the four, the five, maybe the six minor if you're lucky. There's so much more harmony out there that can sound really great. And what's so cool about this turnaround is that right here when Bowie is at his most theatrical, his most songbooky, he's setting up a transition to the exact opposite. This soaring chord progression as he calls out to the children and tells them to boogie. This section, driven by that boogie-woogie electric guitar with Ronson's guitar playing the lead on top, this section rules, and it's the most iconic part of this song, but I think it's the transition from the end of the chorus with that grand old chord progression into this section, which is just four, one, five, with the most straightforward rock guitar part going in the electric guitar and the acoustic guitar in the left and right channels. We go from this soaring, longing melody as the Starman looks down on Earth to the children boogieing down on Earth with this just straightforward glam strut. That transition is this song's secret weapon, the way they grandly set it up, and then instead of resolving to one, they land right on the four chord and get down. It exemplifies that mix of theatricality and rock and roll that makes David Bowie's music so great. There's actually not much more to this song after this. They just do the whole thing again. This is one of those examples of a song where they do something really great, and then they say, you know what would be good? I think we should just do the whole thing all over again. So that's what they do. They go through another verse. The verse still has that same groove, still sounds nice. The star man's still getting in touch with the kids. Then they transition into another lovely chorus. There's a star. Bowie's vocals soar alongside the strings through that lush songbook turnaround yet again. Though this time it's actually setting up a reprise of the chorus, so they just do the whole chorus again. And then with one final grand turnaround, it's time to let the children boogie all the way home. The Starman's message of peace and rock and roll has been delivered, so it's time for him to sing along. There are a lot of theories about what Starman is about, but here's one for you. In 1969, Major Tom launched into space and he became lost. He stepped out of his capsule and he floated away. But here's the thing. Major Tom didn't die. He hitched a ride on a starship and sailed the galaxy. After three years of interstellar adventure and a few guitar lessons, he returned to us as Z Stardust with a message of love and rock and roll. And thus, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. Like Space Oddity, Starman ends with a fade to nothingness, but it's a very different kind of fade. Instead of a lone man floating off to oblivion, 
A group of dancing young people, led by a benevolent starman, joyously boogies into infinity. That'll do it for my analysis of David Bowie's Space Oddity and Starman. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you're as excited as I am for year three of Strong Songs. If you did enjoy this episode, I hope you'll consider going over to patreon.com slash strong songs and becoming a patron of this show. I make strong songs entirely by myself. I put a ton of work into every episode, and it means a lot to me to be entirely listener supported. So thanks so much to all of my patrons. Of course, you can also support strong songs by buying some merch from the new strong song store. There's a link for that down in the show notes. And you can also just spread the word. So if you know anybody who you think might like this show, please tell them about it. You can find links for all my social stuff, Twitter, Instagram, as well as my newsletter, which I'm about to send a new newsletter for 2021, all down in the show notes as well. The new Strong Songs Year 3 theme music featured a killer horn section with BJ Cord on trumpet, Kyla Molitor on trombone, and Carlos Eni, known online as Insane in the Rain, on Barry Sax. You've heard outro solos from BJ and Kyle in previous years, but Carlos had never recorded one, so while he was recording his Barry part, I asked if he would want to record an outro solo as well. He was up for it, and he totally killed it. So stick around for a Barry Sax solo from Carlos Insane in the Rain Eni, and I'll see all of you in two weeks with yet another strong song. Thank you.